Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our lead pastor, Clark Poth. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. To send us a message, just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Good morning again. I want to start off with a story this morning. Uh, the woman whose name uh, I'm going to share with you, it's not her real name. It's been changed to protect her story. But uh, Shrey Dara is a uh, young Cambodian woman. And uh, she married at the age of 17 uh, to a man who took her from Cambodia to Thailand. And uh, there uh, he lured her into the sex trade by persuading her to move there with him and then abandoning her at a brothel. Resisting the pressure exerted by the brothel's owners, Shrey cried out in her anguish. She said, oh, real God, oh, real God, please help me. But the threats of torture and beatings finally wore down her resistance. Days passed into weeks, then months. One year turned into three years, and she wrote, I continued to live the nightmare. I could not go out freely. I I lived like a rat, afraid to leave its hole. I could only go out at night and then only to work. I kept to myself, how can I get out of here? Will I live here forever? There was no hope of escape. And I was afraid. And she writes, I asked, who is the real God? Please come and take me from this hell. After I asked who is the real God, I had a peace in my heart and a hope that I could escape. And her story goes that finally she became too sick to work. And uh, a monk in Thailand uh, paid her brothel owner to have her released, to to grant her her freedom. And so Shrey said she thanked the real God for saving her, but she still felt dirty and worthless and felt that she deserved only to die. She decided to go back and try to find her sister, and as she went on that search, she discovered that just months prior, her sister had passed away. And now, hopeless and stunned by the news, she wandered aimlessly until she just sat down under a tree and and collapsed. A couple uh, in the area, husband and wife, uh, followers of Jesus, found her, and they were in contact with a, a... ministry that rescues women from the sex trade, and they brought her to that ministry. And she writes, it was there that I found who the real God was, and his name is Jesus. And she explains that her life has taken now a totally different turn. She goes, I understand my life has value, and I can live and do anything like other people. God saw Shrey as in her despair, and God saw her, and God heard her cry for help, and God answered her. So this morning, I want you to hear this. God sees you where you are. God sees you. God saw Shrey. Now, 
I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read stories in Scripture, particularly sometimes stories in the Old Testament, uh, I realize that uh, they, they can be difficult to understand in our 21st century culture. And, and today I'm going I'm to tell you a story from Genesis chapter 16, and it can be somewhat difficult to understand. It's about Abraham and Sarah. Before they changed their names to Abraham and Sarah, but I'm just going to use Abraham and Sarah because it's simpler. Um, but... Uh, you know, just, just listen to this story. So if you know the story of Abraham and Sarah, um, God called them to leave their country, to, to leave their people, their family, everybody they knew, and to go to a new land where God promised them in their old age, Abraham at that time was 75, that, that they would become a nation of people. You know, God said to Abraham, I, I will make you a nation. Your descendants will outnumber the sand on the shores. So they go to this new land. It's called Canaan. But after some time, uh, they are still unable to conceive a child. So they decide to take things, take matters into their own hands. Uh, they, they grew impatient. And uh, in that culture, in that day, it wasn't unusual if you had uh, a slave in your household, uh, a female slave, that you would ask the, the female slave or tell the female slave to be a surrogate, uh, to become the, uh, the mother of the child, and then that child would obviously be adopted by the owners. And that's what Sarah and Abraham did. They had a slave named Hagar. And Sarah told Hagar to marry Abraham and to become his wife and to give them a child. Um, and uh, Abraham marries Hagar. Ha uh, Hagar becomes pregnant. And, and it then, uh, then things begin to change in the, the relationship dynamics between uh, Hagar and Sarah. Uh, there becomes, there's, there's a tension and, and uh, Hagar um, begins to uh, threaten uh, Sarah, or Sarah feels threatened. It's not exactly sure what happens there. The scripture doesn't explain it all. But uh, Sarah complains to Abraham, and Abraham says to Sarah that um, you need to do what you think is best. And so uh, Sarah makes it very difficult for Hagar, so difficult that Hagar decides to run away. While she's running away, God sends an angel to give her a message. And the angel comes to her and tells her that the Lord has heard her cries of misery. The angel tells her that God has seen her. The angel says, you're going to have a boy and your son will have many descendants. And the angel says, you need to go back to Abraham and Sarah and have your child. Now, Hard for us to imagine, but as this conversation, it's quite a lengthy conversation with God ends, Hagar has a response. And this is what we read in verse 13 of Genesis chapter 16. Hagar gave the name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. In Hebrew, the name of God is El Roy. El Roy, the God who sees me. 
I think about this. Hagar probably le learned about God from Abraham and Sarah, but, but as a slave, she probably wondered if this God that Abraham and Sarah said talked to them and meant so much to them, she wondered if this God really saw her and took into account her plight and if this God knew her. Hillary Price writes this. She says, Hagar, Hagar is mistreated. She's trapped in a system where she feels as though she is invisible. She has no rights. She has no dignity, no freedom, no choice. And she's had enough. It's very hard to be a nobody with no name. She's referred to by Abraham and Sarah as the maid or the, or the slave or the Egyptian. And Sarah and Abraham probably did not even see Hagar as a real person. She was there to serve a purpose. They probably didn't notice right away when she ran away. It would seem that Hagar doesn't know what she wants as she runs. She knows what she doesn't want. She doesn't want to be treated as a non-person, as an invisible person. But she doesn't realize that what her greatest need is until she meets the God who meets that need. God reaches out to her and says, Hagar, I see you. I see you in your plight. I see you in this dilemma. I see you in what's going on. And the promise that I made to Abraham and Sarah is going to be to you and to your child. Hillary Price asked some reflective questions. I think they're important. She said, I wonder what name you would give God if you had the chance to name God. The God who loves the God who comforts, the God who guides, the God who forgives, the God of the second chance. Whatever you choose would actually say as much about your need as it would the character of God because it's through our need that we experience God in our deepest way. It's through our need that we experience God in our deepest way. It's interesting. Hagar, who might feel insignificant and misunderstood, is actually a very significant person, particularly in Scripture. Hagar has the longest conversation of any woman and almost of any man in the entire Old Testament. That's interesting. A slave, an Egyptian, not called by God to come to Canaan, but taken there as a slave. She's the only person in the Bible, the only person in the Bible who gives God a name. That's interesting. Up to this point, God gave himself names. He introduced himself to the children of Israel as Elohim, the creator, Yahweh, the covenant maker, El Shaddai, the almighty. And these are vast, majestic, out there names of God. But Hagar needed more than a vast, majestic God who was out there. She needed someone who was close, who was relational, who was real, who was relevant to her life. And she meets God and she says, I have now seen the God who sees me. I have now seen the God who sees me. Hagar discovers that God is real, 
that he heard her cries of despair, that he saw her when she ran away into the desert. And she learns that she's not invisible to God Almighty. And she learns that God is real and relevant and that he wants to have a relationship with her. El Roy, the God who sees. Today is Mother's Day, and, you know, through the years, uh, I, I think I've learned that Mother's Day can be a, a day filled with many different emotions for people, but particularly for women. Um, for many women, this is a day where, as moms, they feel honored with gifts or cards, flowers, maybe a meal out. Um, but for some women, it's a, it's a difficult day. They don't feel honor or joy, and the day amplifies a feeling of being invisible on this day. They feel unseen because everyone's celebrating motherhood, but they aren't. They may feel unseen because they have yet to realize the dream to become a mother, or they feel unseen because their relationship with their child is broken, and they may feel unseen because they've lost a child. And this day magnifies what they are missing and makes them feel anything but happy, but sad and invisible. Depending on the kind of relationship a mother has with her children today can be a joyful celebration or a difficult one that magnifies the grief due to a broken relationship or a child's passing. Mother's Day is also a day that can have an impact on children of all ages, male and female. For those of us who still have a mom with us and have a good relationship with our mom, this is a day to honor her, to remember her, to thank her. But for those of us who, who have had a difficult relationship with our moms or who have lost our moms, it can be a hard day. And not being able to join the celebration can make us also feel unseen. While this day celebrates motherhood, uh, being a mom is hard work. Uh, for the mom who stays home, you feel like all you do is wipe noses and change diapers and fix boo-boos and all assorted other tasks, and you're a taxi service, and you run all over, and you do this and that, and at the end of the day, you realize that you got to do it all over the next day. For the mom who works outside of the house, you face the daily tension of balancing work and family and never feeling like you do either of them very well. And so this day brings with it mixed emotions and feelings. It is a day to celebrate, but as I say, it, it's a, it can be a challenging day. But I want to declare something to, to every mom here today and to every person today. God sees you in your, in your smiles, and he sees you in your tears. God is Elroy the God who sees you, that means he sees you in your happiness. He sees you in your pain. He hears your cries. He hears your laughter. And we know that when God sees us, he knows us. He knows us. So wherever you are in life with its ups and downs, wherever you are in your relationship with God, what I want you to know today is that God sees you in that, wherever it is whatever you're going through. Not only does God see you as you are today, but God sees you as he created you to be. 
And God created you to be a child of promise. In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul does something interesting, something that you really don't see happen anywhere else in Scripture. The Apostle Paul goes into great detail to give an interpretation to Scripture. And it's interesting, the Greek word used here that that, um, we're going to interpret as uh, showing a representation is the Greek word for allegory. And so Paul is saying that uh, this interpretation of the story of Hagar and Sarah has a symbolic interpretation. So I'm just going to dive right into chapter 4 of Galatians, verse 21, and I'm going to read this. Paul writes, Tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? The Scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai where people received the law that enslaved them. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman and she is our mother. As Isaiah said, rejoice, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into a joyful shout, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of promise, just like Isaac. Paul's really making a point here to the early church. You know, in the early church, there were, there were followers of Jesus who came out of their Jewish background, and there were followers of Jesus who came out of a non-Jewish background, they came out of a Gentile background. And those who came out of a Jewish background, many of them wanted to say, okay, to be a Christian first, you have to follow the laws of Judaism. You, you have to follow the, the food laws. You, you have to follow the circumcision law. You have to do all of these things to be a follower of Jesus. And so if somebody's a Gentile that wants to become a Christian, they also have to become a Jew first. And Paul's call was to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the non-Jews. And he met with the leaders of the church who, who themselves, like, like he, grew up Jewish. And they said, listen, uh, they don't have to follow all those laws. They just have to believe in Jesus. And so He's speaking to those people, and those who would have heard this would have understood exactly what he was saying. But, but it was tough and it was pointed. But for us today, it takes us to understand that this analogy that he's making tells us something about how God sees us. How the God who sees us, how he sees our identity. That we're daughters of promise that we're sons of promise, that we're, we're children of promise. And by the promise, what I'm talking about is the promise that God made to Abraham and that God fulfilled in Jesus. We become children of promise when we believe in Jesus. Now, this isn't about a, a biological family tree. This isn't about going on Ancestry.com and finding out who your ancestors were because it's not looking at the bloodline that you're from physically. But it's looking at your spiritual bloodline. When you decided to believe in Jesus, you became part 
of the family of Jesus. He became part of the promised generation that was promised to Abraham and to Sarah. You became spiritual descendants of Abraham and Sarah. Paul is telling us that we are children of promise, that it was fulfilled by Jesus. And and don't miss this. Through Jesus, God was extending the promise to people who were not from Abraham and Sarah's biological tree. All right? They couldn't trace their family back to Abraham and Sarah. They were, uh, God was saying to both Jew and to Gentile that you matter to me. I see you and I want you to become a daughter, a son, a promise. And that happens when you believe in Jesus. You know, when God sees you and says that, you know, God doesn't zap us and say you're a child of promise. The promise of being God's child happens through faith. And I'll remind you of what it says in Ephesians. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not for yourself, from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by works, by good works. You don't become a child of promise by being good enough. You don't get to heaven by being a good person. You don't become a daughter or a son of promise by what you do. You become a daughter, a son of promise by receiving what Jesus did for you. And as Paul says, it's not by work so that no one can boast. So you're saved by accepting what God has done for you in Christ. You become a daughter of promise, a son of promise by accepting what Christ has done for you. You become part of the family line of Abraham and Sarah. God sees you. He sees you. You're a child of promise. He sees what's going on in your life. He sees you needing the promise of salvation. And that's why it, it, it comes so clearly in Scripture over and over. And that's why I share it with you today. But God also sees you this way. God sees you as being worthy of adoption as his child. Earlier in the same chapter of Galatians, Paul writes these words. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. His heir. I want you to hear how God sees you. God sees you as worthy of having Jesus by your freedom from the law of legalism by crucifixion on a cross. That's how God sees you. That you're worth enough for Jesus to die on the cross. God sees you as worthy of being his child 
God sees you as worthy of being adopted into his family. God sees you as being worthy of receiving the Holy Spirit that he implants into you when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. God sees you as worthy of calling him Abba, of calling him Daddy, of calling him Father. God sees you as worthy of being his heir and receiving his inheritance of eternal life. God sees you where you are. And he loves you. And he wants you to know that he is with you in your celebrations and in your sorrows, in your ups and in your downs, in the the day-to-day grind of life and in the fun of life, in your sorrow and pain and in your joy and happiness. He sees you. Whatever you're going through, whether it's good or bad, or somewhere in between, God sees you. God is with you. God is walking with you, even if you haven't noticed him. And his spirit dwells inside everyone who believes in him. And he gives us not just his spirit. He gives us a spiritual family made up of brothers and sisters who believe in Jesus and want to follow him. And so we're connected When we're adopted into God's family, we're given a huge family to be a part of. It goes all the way back to Abraham and Sarah, and it goes into the future until Jesus comes again. And one day we'll all be together in heaven. He gave us an entire family called the church to walk through life with. So let me share with you how we can live in the truth that God sees us. The first thing that I would say is this, is to be authentic with one another. You you know, to live in the truth means that we recognize that sometimes uh, we need to lean on others and we need to reach out to people and we need to ask for their support. And to do that, we have to be authentic. We have to communicate with them. And, and I believe that one of the ways that God communicates to us, that he sees us, that he hears our pain, is when brothers and sisters in Christ come alongside us. He actually uses us to be his hands, to be his heart. Even sometimes he speaks through us to others. But it means we have to be real and open with one another. We have to do life together. We have to, to be real and authentic. And being real and authentic is, is a two-way relationship. Yes, it means we need to open up and share with one another what God's doing in our lives or what's going on in our lives. But we also have to be willing to listen and care and respond We're called to do that in the body of Christ. The God who sees us uses brothers and sisters in Christ to demonstrate to others that God sees them and loves them and cares for them. And so my encouragement, my challenge to you is to be authentic back and forth. You don't have to be authentic with everybody. I'm not saying you need to go out to 100 people and share everything, but find someone that you can share your life with, someone who's a believer who can be real with you and you can be real with them. I want to encourage you.
to do that. The God who sees us wants us to know that he's real. So this morning, I want to spend a little time in prayer because I think that this idea is both exciting and yet can be challenging. Because when you're walking through life and you don't feel like you're seen, but you hear a message where, where, that tells us God sees us, then it brings up questions. Today I proclaim to you that you're seen by God, that you're heard by God. So I want you to spend a little time talking to God this morning, telling him that you're grateful that he sees you and talk to him how you feel about that. Chris is going to play a song, just a, 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 a song just for us to, uh, to meditate with, not to sing. So just spend a little time talking to God. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.